0: Although I will not be here next week, and I'll be glad about that too, but we'll announce that uh, coming up. Um, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank You that uh, You have invited us to come into Your presence through worship. Lord, and through uh, music and singing, we can uh, experience You in a, in a, in a genuine and, and powerful way. But we also thank You for Your Word, that uh, through Your Scripture... Uh, Lord, You have promised to change us, to transform us, uh, and that our minds can be renewed by Your Word. And so I pray that our minds, uh, right now, our eyes would be opened. Open the eyes of our understanding. Open up our our hearts and minds to Your Word, that we can behold wonderful things from it and be changed through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I've been speaking on Thanks, for it. Been, uh We've been looking at a series on the, the person of Jesus and some, some of the roles that He uh, is to fulfill in our lives. And it's based on a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight or encumbrance and, and the sin which so easily ensnares or entangles us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, which means to fix our eyes on Him, who is the author and finisher, He's the originator and the completer, He's the beginning and the end, right, of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of God. Uh, right hand of the throne of God. So the goal of the series is to look unto Jesus, to fix our eyes on the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> In doing that, we can gain a better understanding of who Jesus really is. And replace or refine our ideas about Jesus with biblical truths about, uh, about Jesus. Alright, we all have ideas, and some of our ideas are good, some of them are, uh, need, a, need a little refinement, and some ideas need rejection. <laughs> Alright, and so where do we get the right idea of Jesus? Where do we find um, an accurate representation? Well, it's God's Word. Uh, and when we, when we turn to God's Word, we see who He is, and that enables us to understand Him. And in understanding Him better, we can receive better from Him. All right, So we actually get in contact with Him better when we understand who He really is, and we can become more like Him. And so we've looked at Jesus, my Savior, <clears throat> uh, the first week. We looked at Jesus as Lord. We've looked at Jesus last week as shepherd. And this week we're going to uh, uh, zoom in to the role of intercessor, that Jesus is my intercessor. And if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. How many are excited about the snow coming this afternoon? <coughs> Baby! We live in Michigan. I figure, you know, why complain about it? Let's embrace it. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, let's go sledding. Let's have a sledding trip. (laughs) All right. Romans 8.34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. He's saying, who's going to condemn us? Listen, the only one that can condemn is Jesus. And it's Jesus who died. He's the one who died for our sin. We're kind of jumping into the middle of a whole paragraph. I want to... Zoom in on one word. It says, and furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And so Christ, <clears throat> the very Christ that died on the cross, that was buried, and that rose again, ascended on high, is now seated at the right hand of God. He is there making intercession for us. And the word intercession in the in the in a Greek dictionary is defined as. Uh, 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 it means to, to fall in with. It means like to, uh, in other words, uh, to light upon a person or thing. You know, to come up and, and to touch or to, to gather along with. It means <clears throat> um, especially to to meet a person or to go to a person for the purpose of conversation. Everybody say conversation. conversation. Consultation. Or supplication. Supplication. Alright, so Jesus is our intercessor. So He's coming into your life. He's meeting you for the purpose of conversation. Hey, He just wants to have a talk. (laughs) It's true. Jesus wants to have a conversation with you. And for consultation. He's got some (laughs) ideas. He can improve a lot of your life. You know, people pay money for business consultants. Jesus wants to come and be your life consultant. <clears throat> and for supplication. And I believe that, you know, it's, Jesus doesn't need anything from us, but he's there to, uh, to make supplication for us. All right? Supplication means to make requests on our behalf. And in the context, let's, let me turn to it Romans 8. Oh, there it is. In the context here this this word making intercession let me read from verse 31. It says who then sh- who then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely, freedom. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is risen and is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Um, It says, For your sake, uh, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So uh, to make intercession in this verse is contrasted. It says, who's going to be against us? Well, you know what? It doesn't matter who's against us because Christ is for us, right? And so being an interceder means that Christ is there on your behalf. He's interceding for you. All right? He's he's there cheering cheering you on. Have you ever been to a, a sports a sporting event? <clears throat> Does anyone here like sports? Anyone here like basketball? Isn't March Madness? All right, everybody who's in the basketball, stand up. Oh, you're kidding! Come on, really, really, come on, stand up, come on. Who's i got to get a better illustration. <laughs> Man, I have been in basketball games for a year, few years. I was going to Western Games, and there was a dynamic. And there was one time in particular that the whole game turned at this one moment when the whole crowd just, like something happened. I felt it in the spirit. All, everybody in the crowd just said, they kind of like got fed up because our team was behind. It was like, and we just started cheering. No matter what they did. It didn't matter what they did. If They did something stupid. We just cheered all the louder. I mean, it was weird. It was a feeling. It was, it was unbelievable. And the, and the players on the, uh, out on the court, you could see them just feeding off this. And they turned around and they, they, got, they won the game. It was amazing. It was great. And there was no question about it. It was when the, there was a group effort to cheer on the team. That they were able to win that game. And Jesus is there making intercession for you. I want you to understand this is not uh, one of the normal things we think of about Jesus, but this is one of His key roles. He's there in the presence of God, at the right hand of God, cheering you on. All right. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Well, if if, if the opposite of the intercessor is one who separates, intercession means one who unites. And so Christ is there in His role as intercessor. It means to bring together. And so He's there <clears throat> uniting us with God's love when all of the forces that are uh, aligned against us uh, trying to separate us from God's love. Jesus is there uh, trying to unite us. So I believe that Jesus' role as an intercessor, you know, it's really tied to what I talked about last week with Jesus being our shepherd. <clears throat> and uh, the word actually... Uh, involves the idea intercession of one who comes uh, in between all right one who uh who steps in the gap someone who bridges the gap that's what the word actually means all right and so jesus bridges the gap between us and what yeah us and god all right. So Jesus on the cross, he bridged the gap, the eternal divide between fallen man and and whole and perfect God, and so that we have access to God. But more than that, it says that he is now making intercession for it. So now Jesus is bridging that gap between wherever you are and where God is. All right, between our emptiness and God's wholeness. Who separates that gap? Jesus. He's there interceding. Where we're empty, where God's full, He's there to bridge that gap. Where we're in need and God has the provision, it's the person, Jesus Christ, who wants to bridge that gap and bring it together. Where we lack and where God has abundance, it's Jesus Everybody say, Jesus Christ. Okay, he's there wanting to bring your lack, your need, your emptiness together with God's fullness, God's provision, God's completeness. All right? And it's in the person of Jesus Christ that that's where it happens. Our pain is brought together with God's joy. All right? Not only between. Wherever we may be, our our present state, okay? So Jesus gaps uh, the gap between where we we are now, emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, financially, in whatever uh, uh, need you may have, and where God is, all right? That's what he does. But he also bridges the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be or wants you to be. Did you hear that? Let me do a Bill Johnson pause. There. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Between where you are and where God's called you to be, Jesus. How do you get from where you are to where God's called you to be? The one who bridges that gap is the person, Jesus Christ. Not your effort, not your ability. Not how much you know. Not how much you desire. Not how good you are. But the person Jesus Christ. And you must, you must, you must embrace that truth. That it's the person Jesus Christ that takes you and is the only means, is the only intercession, the only bringing together between where you are in whatever need or abundance that you have and where God wants you to be in all of His fullness. Um... <laughs> listen, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, Therefore He, Jesus, is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through Him. Let's just listen to that for a minute. He is able to save to the uttermost. That's as far as as someone can get. Jesus can get that far. And he's able to save. That means to make whole, to redeem, to bring back. He's able to bridge that gap, no matter how wide it is, because he is the intercessor. He's the one that brings the two together. All right? Those who come to God through him. through Him, through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus always lives, right now, present reality, to make intercession for them. Who's them? Yeah, me. <laughs> you. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, "...for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, in other words, he didn't just go into a physical building, a temple, or a church building, uh, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. When Jesus rose, he went in to the holy place in heaven to appear in the presence of God. Two w- words here: for us. Ho! Oh! Wow! For me! How do you apply that Bible passage? Let's make application of that Scripture. Let's see. In the original context, it would mean, FOR ME! (laughs) Right? The original Greek means,
1: for us, for me,
0: for you and I. Jesus went there and is there right now in the presence of God, not for Himself. Right? He was already there. He did all He did for you, for me, for us, and for all those who are still out in the uttermost places. He's there representing us. He's there to ensure our best. He's there for our good. Now, you need to understand, it's not selfish to embrace this truth. Because you didn't come up with this truth. Alright? And you know what? The truth is, you couldn't go there yourself. Alright? And it's in embracing the truth that Jesus is there for you requires the utmost humility. Because in it, you're confessing your utter lack and inability and unworthiness. Alright? So in the same breath, that we can claim this special privilege of Christ representing us, that's not prideful, that's utter humility. But in that humility, we have utter confidence. Okay? Earth shaking, life changing confidence. Because it's not based on me. I know my weaknesses. I know my faults. I know that when I can't, I'm not qualified to stand up here and tell you this what are you doing here? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not saying this because I'm qualified. I'm saying this because He's qualified. And He told me to do it. Period. End of the story. So it doesn't matter. My confidence is not based on my own ability or my own past or what I've done or what I haven't done. It's based on His ability and who He is. And so that's why I can boldly approach the throne of grace. Through a new and living way, which is His very body, Jesus Christ. That says that in another place in Hebrews. All right. Uh, So where is Jesus right now? Where is Jesus right now? Where? Where? He's right there in the presence of God. Well, how about right now? Did He go somewhere? How about like now? Now Is he still there? He's like, was he there yesterday? Okay. Is he going to be there tomorrow? Okay. Is he only there when you're being good? Is he only there when you're being bad? No, he's always there. And he's always there for you. So what does that mean? <coughs> Every moment of every day, Jesus is there cheering you on. Bridging the gap through His own person, His own body, between whatever you need and God's provision, whatever you lack and God's ability. Okay? Think of it. When we're in the midst of a trial and temptation, Christ Jesus Himself is in heaven before God the Father making intercession for you might you think that just possibly could change how you might respond in the midst of that temptation? If you were to see with your physical eyes Jesus on His knees as He was in the garden, sweating blood, All right, or standing there cheering you on like somebody rooting a, 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 a sports team and you're in the middle and there's temptation and there's desire in here, And there's lust. The Bible says we sin when we are drawn away by our inward lust, our inward desire, and there's like, there's something there that, man, I really want that double chocolate donut from Sweet Waters! (laughs) Baby. When we're in the midst of triumph and celebration, tempted to be proud maybe, or even just, just when we're having a good time. Jesus is there celebrating with us. Rejoicing with us. Cheering us on. Yay! You did it! You talked to your coworker about Jesus. Whoa! Rock on! Alright, you scored well on your task. Yeah, great. You outproduced every other employee because you were so faithful. Yeah, whatever it is. All right. He drove a whole week without getting in an accident. Yay! (laughs) What implications? Okay, when you feel lost and discouraged, He's still there interceding. When you feel confident and productive, He's still there representing you. Because He never changes. What implications should this have on your life? It should radically change your life. Because you know that Jesus is there representing you. Think about this, would you please? think about this not just while you're sitting here but when you're home and how that should change your life. Oh, Isaiah 59:16 he says says that uh, God saw that there was no man, no person and wondered that there was no intercessor. God looked down from heaven heaven and all of mankind and thought, "Wow, there's not there's no one that can make intercession. There's no one that can bridge that gap." Okay? Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him. This is a prophecy talking about the coming of Jesus Christ as the intercessor, as the one who bridged the gap. And it says there was no one qualified and so he did it himself. He did it for us because it was evident we could not do it. And it brought he brought salvation, which means wholeness and completeness. All that God intends for you is available through the person Jesus Christ he brought righteousness that means being right not just in this not just in a legalistic sense of not doing anything wrong but being all that you were created to be being as you should or as you ought is how one dictionary defines that okay jesus brought that to you through himself and he is still there making intercession for you he's presently active to bring you salvation and to bring righteousness into your life, what no one could do on their own, God did through His Son Jesus Christ. Now, if you have this Bible, turn to First uh, Timothy, chapter two. It's in the New Testament. First <clears throat> Timothy, <clears throat> chapter two, verse five, and this is uh, this is another. Uh, word that's uh, the same idea as intercessor it says there is one God and one mediator between God and men and uh, mankind (coughs) humanity would be a better word The, the man Jesus Christ there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Jesus Christ how many mediators are there one. Who is it? Okay, no one, nothing else can be your access to God. And this is really being challenged in our day. It's cool to say, you know, well, there's many ways to God. I'm like, Go for it. Give it your best shot. I'll tell you what, there's one way to God. And it's Jesus Christ. And every other way leads to futility. Emptiness. There's one way. One access. There's many paths, but there's only one way. Jesus Christ. And you must come because He is your mediator. Mediator, like the word intercessor, means a go-between. One Greek dictionary defines it this way. One who intervenes between two. Either in order to make or restore peace or friendship, or to form a compact or a a covenant, an agreement, a medium of communication, an arbiter. All right? So a a mediator is one who intervenes between two in order to restore peace and friendship, and to establish a covenant and be the means of communication and the arbiter. There's only one mediator. And that mediator is the man, Jesus Christ. I want to read you a quote. Now this this idea I'm going to share now, it's kind of out there. Are you ready? Should I avoid it? <clears throat> I don't know. This is a, this is a pretty conservative community. All right, this is, my, this is one of my um, favorite um, sources. A guy named um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, he was martyred um, by Hitler, actually, uh, for his faith. But he wrote a few books. And this is a quote. It's kind of long. I'm going to read two quotes from two different books. I did a whole series on this first quote. It says, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. A Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. Among men, there is strife. He is our peace, as Paul says of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about peace between all mankind through the person of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, there is discord between God and man, and between man and man. Christ became the mediator and made peace with God and among men. Without Christ, we should not know God. We could not call upon Him nor come to Him. But without Christ, we also would not know our brother or sister, nor could we come to Him or her. The way is blocked by our own ego or sin. Christ opened up the way to God and to our brother and sister. Now, Christians can live with one another in peace. They can love and serve one another. They can become one. But they can continue to do so only by way of Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through Him are we bound together. To eternity, He remains the one mediator. Okay? He remains the mediator. This is this is, this is kind of a little subtle. It's subtle. It's radical. I don't know. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this for two years. I haven't preached it. It's been in me. Let me read this other quote. We must face up to the truth, he says, that the call of Christ does set up a barrier between man and his natural life. But this barrier is no surly contempt for life, no legalistic piety. It is the life, which is life indeed. The Gospel, the person of Jesus Christ. By virtue of His incarnation, He has come between man and His natural life, between our humanity. Do you understand what I mean when He says man? He's talking about our human nature and our natural life. There, can, Listen, he writes, there can be no turning back for Christ bars the way. Once you come into Christ, you can't turn back to who you were because you can't get through Him. By calling us, He has cut us off from all immediacy with the things of this world. Listen, He wants to be the center. Through Him alone, all things shall come to pass. He stands between us and God and for that very reason... He stands between us and all other men and things. He is the mediator. Not only between God and man, but between man and man, between man and reality. Since the whole world was created through Him and unto Him, He is the sole mediator in the whole world. Since His coming, man has no immediate relationship of his own anymore to anything, neither to God nor the world, Christ wants to be the mediator. Okay? This is where it gets a little weird. Like when I first read this, I thought he went over the edge. Bonhoeffer. Because it says, he's saying here, you can't have any direct relationship to any person or thing if Christ is going to be the mediator. Now he goes on, he says, of course there are plenty of gods who offer men direct access. And the world naturally uses every means in its power to retain its direct hold on men, on people. But that is the very reason why it is so bitterly opposed to Christ, a mediator. Okay, let me talk about what this means. I remember when I read this, when I got this idea, I was sitting on a a deck looking out on a beautiful lake here on. There's an island and another peninsula. It was this gorgeous place we go up in the UP. And... I got this idea, it's like, wait a minute, is is the Bible really saying that Christ is the mediator between all things? Not only between us and God, but between us and people and us and things? Is that really true? And if so, what does that mean? And if I could, uh, I realize that if I could live that in truth, it would change everything about my life. All right? Now, I've thought about this for two years, so, uh, (laughs) you know, maybe you just need to think about this um, for a minute. Let's say you're a dot, you're this, okay? And then, uh, you know, this is another person, this is, you know, that's your spouse, and these are your kids, right? Right? This is uh, some co-workers, some other people in your life. This is your bicycle, and this is your new new google Google phone, <laughs> and this is your computer, and this is the donut and this <laughs> okay <laughs> all right. Uh, Baker's dozen, right? Chocolate, 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 chocolate. I don't like sprinkles. Sprinkles are evil. Okay. He he says they're evil. (laughs) Okay, so we are all individuals. All right? And and actually, it's kind of hard because this is in the middle of this argument, because Bonhoeffer's actually, this is in the context of saying that we only find true individuality in Christ. Apart from Christ, we cannot be individuals. All right. So this is not de- de- denying any individuality. I'm not going to go down that path, but it's actually reinforcing it. But he's saying as individuals, we have a relationship with other people and things. Okay. Now, if we relate to it directly, then Christ is not the mediator. He becomes a mediator. Alright? Let's say... <coughs> I say, this happens to be church life, and this is the Bible, and this is when you pray, you know, spiritual things. And we say, oh, well, sure, Jesus is the mediator between that. All right? But, baby, when I'm at work, there's other rules I live by. When you do that, that means Christ is not mediating that. And that means you're practicing. I don't want to make you feel bad, but it's idolatry. Okay, it's having something else take the place place of Christ. Okay, let's say, let's say I have a bit of a conflict with my spouse. Not that that would ever happen. <laughs> this is this is where it really impacted me, and I I've been practicing it. Kathy will come up here and say he hasn't got it yet. And this is where it's like, this is so intense of a truth that if you understand it, you either have to reject it as being false or have to bow down to it. Okay? Because what he's saying here is that I don't have direct relationship with even my spouse except through Christ. Oh, geez. Didn't Paul say love... You know, Christ loves love each other like Christ loves the church, right? And so, if if I every time I look at Kathy or speak to Kathy, if I acknowledge that it's only I, I only gain access not just through the physical space between us, but what fills that space is the person Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is for me, but He's also for her and I have, to, I have an arbitrator between her and I, who is the person of Jesus Christ, do you think I might treat her a little differently? I might. might. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. All right? And what I do sometimes is I, I try to picture Jesus Christ standing there. And I say, Jesus, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what she's saying. Help us out here. This is what I'm feeling. This is what they're saying. (laughs) I think this can change your whole life. Right? Right? Whatever the temptation is, you have to understand that if you're going to live in a way that Jesus is the mediator, see what you can't say well Jesus can mediate my relationship or my interaction with this thing but not that thing. That's not logically consi- that's just stupid. That makes Jesus not God. All right, and unfortunately that's where we live and that's why we have all kinds of problems. I know that when I practice this, and this is how I do it, I do practice it. And I, and I think, okay, Jesus is here. Jesus. Ed, and I thought, <clears throat> let me get to this. You know, how, can, how can we actually uh, apply this? Um, I thought, well, that would really slow down a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, maybe that's a good thing. Right, instead of just buying something, or making a decision at work, or saying something to someone, you know. And I, I, I'm a pastor. People think pastors are nice, but sometimes I'm not nice. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) just to let you know, I'm I'm letting everybody else know. I'm, I'm I'm generally good, but I'm often not nice. And like when I go into stores, I generally like I get lots to do. And some sometimes store clerks, you know, they want to chat. I said, "How you doing?" Like, the guy says, uh, "You got got anything planned for the day?" I just looked at him. I'm like, "I don't have time to tell you everything I have to do today. All right, would you just do the transaction and let me go?" <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought that, you know. And I, I don't think Jesus was probably real happy with that, you know. And I still it doesn't mean I wasn't in a hurry, but I tried to just okay, okay, Jesus. So practical step Jesus is there how would he how would he be the arbitrator the go between between you and whatever you're facing whatever how might you actually put this into practice i want to finish this up how about starting each day acknowledging that Jesus is your savior is your lord and is there personally interceding for you. How about you you share with Jesus, since He's there in heaven praying for you anyway, why don't you tell Him what you'd like Him to pray for you? That's actually called prayer. (laughs) But we won't call it prayer. We'll just say, let's just tell Jesus so He can pray for you. Because He's there to pray for you. All right, Jesus, these are the things I'm facing today. Think about what it means to have Jesus as your goal between Maybe after a conflict, ask yourself, did I acknowledge Jesus in this relationship, or did I ignore Him? What would it have looked like if I had acknowledged Him and submitted to Him? Even if it's in whether you should buy a new phone, or a computer, or a car, or a donut, or whatever. All right? Between you and the other person, between you and temptation, between you and success, between you and everything. This is the end. This is the life the gospel gives us a life never alone, a life never lost, because Jesus is always there, a life never just up to us, a life abundant, a life with Christ, and a life in Christ. We're in Christ. All right, Sarah has some announcements.